Hi, Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. A podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're going to talk to Jacob Boss about pioneering movements, first of all in Mumbai, and now more recently in London. Jacob, how did you get involved in movements? Yeah, when I was younger, my grandparents were uh, heavily involved in the church and heavily involved in mission. They used to have missionaries come to their house all the time. And I remember when I was 12, a couple from Africa was there, and they were talking about just how great the harvest was, but how few the laborers. And that's, that's the beginning of my, my calling to missions. Uh, in college, I studied inter- intercultural studies, and a part of that was being in Vietnam for six months. Mm-hmm. That was in 2005, so that was the beginning of the T for T, and we had the seven lessons. And so it was there in Ho Chi Minh that got a few guys together, won a couple of them to the Lord, and we started walking through these seven lessons and filling out the, the uh, forms. And so that was kind of the, the beginning part for me of multiplication. Okay, so you just dove in, dived in, and and off you went. Yeah. And what happened next in the journey? So I went back and got married to my beautiful wife Elizabeth, and we then came to India, and uh, landed in Dehradun up north, and we're just able to sit underneath and learn from some amazing men and women of God who were in the harvest fields, being obedient, doing what God called us to do. Uh, through that, ended up in a state called Madhya Pradesh, and um, just got to see God do some amazing things through Hindus, through Muslims, and then even through some uh, younger Indians. And uh, but what what were you actually doing to contribute to what was happening? When we landed on the ground uh, in Madhya Pradesh, our leader uh, was spending a year in the U.S. and so. We hit the ground and we would Skype with them every once in a while. But we were in the state of 72 million and very few known believers. Mm. And we were young and didn't know what we were doing. Uh, but we knew there were some believers. And so we just started training as many believers as we could to get out and share their faith. And then those that came to faith, teach them how to disciple those new believers into healthy new churches and then raise up leaders to multiply. So we just kind of started doing it and networking. Um, you know, made a lot of mistakes at first, um, but then the more we learned and, and we're able to see God do some, some great stuff. Okay. So what did you learn from your experience in Mumbai? So we, we began to just look at the city and think through Oikos, knowing that that is how the gospel flows and has flowed through all of history, through relationships and so how do relationships work in a city? And we knew the people group principle, and it works really well in the rural area. Um, for example, you'd have a Beale person in Gujarat that's in a primarily Beale area, and it, the gospel moves rapidly among the Beale people. But if you took that Beale into a city like Mumbai, your target drastically reduces. Mm. But the Beale now creates new relationships in this urban center, and so thinking through what are those relationships. And so we created four segments, people segments, and segments have the same idea as people groups just in a city. 
So if we drop the gospel in the top through relationships, it can flow rapidly. Hmm. So we identified the professional segment, knowing that people come to cities to get a job. And so a lot of the relationships will start there and flow from there. And so how do we really see the gospel and the church multiply in this professional segment of the city? Um, what we learned is the, the workplace actually breaks down a lot of the sort of traditional worldview barriers uh, because finances always win. Mm-hmm. And so then we looked at a second segment, and that was the millennials, the younger generation. And India, the younger generation is rapidly becoming materialistic and agnostic. They're rejecting a lot of their traditional religious um, views. And so really thinking through how do we see the gospel multiply among the millennial generation. And then we had social justice with huge pockets of human trafficking in Mumbai, with the slums in Mumbai. How do we see the gospel proclamation and church planting enter into the social justice conversation, knowing that there's a lot of physical help happening? But how do we bring eternal hope into those conversations? And then the last one was looking at the UPGs and UUPGs. And so as we saw the gospel move through these segments, knowing that that was going to incorporate a lot of different people groups. And so then really honing in specifically on the UPGs and UUPGs, and even looking at tracing them back to their geographical location in India or wherever they came from in the world. And that team ended up morphing more into our ends of the earth team. And so as we saw Indians going from Mumbai back to India or even to the nations, making sure they were equipped, like Philip in Acts 8, to go and be proclaimers of the word and plant the church where they, where they went globally. So those different segments, only one of them is sort of ethnicity specific. Is that right? Yeah. Knowing that there's ethnicities within each of these segments. Yeah. So the ethnic team is looking at capturing the UPGs and UPGs from these segment nets, if you will, honing in on them specifically. Mm. All right. And uh, how did it go? What happened? Yeah, it went uh, went really well, actually. We learned a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, we, We started working with some professionals, and our first approach was to get some church planters and have them target the business people. And and just could not get traction, could not get traction. Had a, a great brother uh, come and, and look at the work, and he suggested, why don't we get some Christian businessmen and see if they could be the catalyst for this work. And so we began to train some of the, the local businessmen and to go into their office place with the gospel and to see if, if something could happen. And, man, these business guys bought in uh, realizing that, man, I've got a real place in the kingdom, not just giving money, but I can actually make disciples and be strategic for the kingdom in my workplace. Um, so as we began to do that, we realized there's an initial barrier of gospel proclamation, a lot of fear for these guys to proclaim the gospel in the workplace. And so we changed our tool. Uh, we came up with a, a gospel tool based off of Stoplight, which I know there's uh, tools based on the stoplight, a lot of them out there, um, where we could help these business guys get into conversations that matter about mm-hmm. marriage, about their kids, introduce Jesus into the conversation, uh, looking to get into deeper gospel conversations with the seven stories of hope. 
And along the way, if they got a red light, we gave them permission to dust off their feet and move on to, to the next person. And so just that permission gave them the handhold and sort of a safety net in their minds to actually go in and be bolder with the gospel. Um, so then we saw a few of them saved, and they started meeting uh, for discipleship and realized what about their families. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so one of the, actually one of the Indian businessmen said, wow, uh, we're actually really strategic because we have 10 business guys meeting here that go back to 10 different neighborhoods mm. in Mumbai. And so we have two catalytic points. And so then really beginning to think through how do we equip them to not only engage in their workplace, but also in their neighborhoods. And, and were they able to make uh, that transition and do, do both? They were, yeah. So they could have a Bible study in the week and then back in, in their neighborhood during the weekends. So and that, that was just getting started uh, when I had to, to take off. Mm. From but the, the early signs were good. The early signs were good, yeah. Mm. How about in the other um, segments in Mumbai? Yeah, the, the millennials... Uh, we began to put together a coalition of young leaders who had a desire to see their city transformed with the gospel. Uh, these guys were already thinking in terms of church planting, uh, maybe more of a traditional route. And so getting them together and beginning to help walk through a multiplication process of raising up some leaders. Um, we also partnered with the church in the U.S. who was already doing sort of multiplication type stuff and brought their model church model into Mumbai. And um, so we got to see some, some neat stuff happen in terms of these young leaders coming together with a desire to see multiplication happen. Um, and as far as traction, we haven't seen a whole lot of fruit from that, hmm. um, but a lot of whipping has happened. Okay. Hmm. And, uh, in amongst the poor. Yeah, so the social justice, we found an organization um, in Mumbai that's already doing some work in the red light area, and we approached them and, and just expressed our desire to help them get the gospel out into the red light area and to see the church planted, and they were very, very open to that. And so a part of our team um, had a center there in the red light area, and really began to boldly get the gospel out. Um, so they saturated that red light area. They were able to see seven ladies saved. And so then we began to work through what does discipleship uh, look like for them and um, getting a home outside. Uh, so then we started looking at how do we get a church started just on the outside of the red light area. So we began to blast that area with the gospel to see church started so that the local church could then take ownership of discipleship for these ladies. Um, and now we're looking at getting that into three other red light districts. Hopefully this year is the, the vision. So planting local churches around the red light area, saturating with the gospel in the red light area, as these ladies are saved, providing means for them to come out through the local church and then bringing along some micro business type stuff to give them a means of survival, a means of living, and then planting them in unreached areas in Mumbai where they can then catalyze work um, and reproduce themselves. Mm. Okay. So, you know, just, just reflecting, um, what may strike 
some church planters who are listening to this in, in the West is uh, it's not a lot about what you do. It's about uh, you seeing a need, you training and mobilizing existing believers, you taking responsibility for a bigger picture. I'm quite sure that you're, you're, you were personally engaged in the harvest. But you're, you're telling stories about raising up teams to, to reach the different segments of society, uh, leading strongly with the gospel, but, but tapering the focus of each of those ministries through local believers. Is that sort of what came out of that whole time? Yeah, that's it. Mm. And, and really thinking through, you know, the five parts, entry, evangelism, discipleship, church formation, leadership development, and how each of, the, each of those parts uh, contextualizing the tools for those different segments and really beginning to unlock the gospel and, and multiplication in a city context. Mm. So, for instance, finding what's an effective gospel presentation for those business leaders right? and, and watching, do they use it? Uh, does it quickly get passed on to new believers who can pass it on? Yeah. So we would track our gospel proclamations and we would then track how many believed from those so we could have a receptivity rate. Um, so in Mumbai, we had about a 12% receptivity rate, knowing that that's not, uh, that's just a general idea. It helps us yeah. know what, where we're at. Um, mm-hmm. So then if we saw, you know, a 2% receptivity rate, then we begin to evaluate, all right, what's, is it, is it a sovereign issue? Is it our tool? Mm-hmm. Do we need tweaks and things? Um, so really begin to track that way so that we can really evaluate our tools in, in a really healthy way. And you're also wanting to say not just gospel and disciples, but church formation. So with the business leaders, you could say, oh, well, we'll just do church in, church in the workplace. Yeah. That would, that would cut out uh, reaching their families. So let's, yeah, let's move the church formation into the local neighborhood. Yeah, that's one thing we learned. And honestly, we're still wrestling with what that mm-hmm. looked like. Yeah. You know, do, you, do you have a church in the business and a church in the home place? Or do you have both? Yeah, or both. So do you have more of an equipping, training, discipleship? in the workplace that then goes out to the neighborhoods where mm. the churches are on the weekends. Um, and, and honestly still kind of wrestling through what's the most effective way to, to do that. Now through a mixture of um, the sovereignty of God and the, um, the regulations of the government, uh, you found yourself out of India yeah, and, and and now God's brought you to to London of all places. So why why are you in London? Yeah, we um, last June um, were helped out of India by the government and ended up in in Thailand, and we're just really praying through what what next. And our our company approached and asked us if we would uh, consider leading the work here in London. Uh, honestly, our initial response was was no, because you know we we're in the central of lost, uh, the center of lostness, and seeing God do some amazing stuff, and just knowing the different context of London. And, but man, the more we prayed about it, we were in, in Corinthians, and God just challenged us. But man, it's it's not going to be you that do this. It's the power of my Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel. And so through that challenge, uh, came to came to London then this last January. 
Okay. And uh, the one sort of piece of continuity is you're moving from a mega city to a mega city. Yeah. And then, well, and, and, and London has, uh, we've, we've lived in the East End and, you know, there are a lot of Bengalis in East London yeah. and other, other parts of uh, London are quite well represented from the subcontinent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the nations are here. And now that we're here in London, we are realizing the strategic, uh, how strategic the gospel can be in this city, mm-hmm. seeing the nations reached here and even catalyzed back to unreached areas of the world that, that white people couldn't even necessarily access. And um, so, man, we are excited to be here and, and excited about what God's doing. I mean, God is really at work here. I think that came as a surprise for us. So, and I think this would be really helpful to focus on. You, you, you've had the experience in Mumbai. Now this is your second opportunity to launch a citywide ministry in, in, in London and see it touch the nations. So how do you get started? What do you do? I mean, you've just been, how many months now is it? Yes, since January we've been here. January, okay. So it's uh, not even six months. It's not even five months. Yeah. But just just tell us, because um, it'd be easy to talk to you about the big picture vision stuff. Yeah. But yeah. What about the nitty gritty? What have the the last four or five months looked like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so we moved here in January, and we had a desire to get set up as fast as we we could, and uh, so we. We began to set up the house, and then we wanted to adopt an area, a geographical area of London, to begin to um, pray through, to begin to proclaim the gospel, to begin to look for churches and believers in that area um, that we could partner with. And so we adopted an area called Stoke Newington, and then networked through various people here in London, and got connected with several churches and believers there. And just began to pray with them and go out and uh, onto the streets with them to share the gospel. And, um, and through that, found a great church in that area with a pastor that has a vision to multiply. And so have been able to help that church be equipped to share the gospel. Uh, they've, seen, they've seen several people saved. Um, there's another brother from Australia, actually, that's okay. in that church as well, and he has a common vision. And, um, and so you didn't he, tell me you had an Australian. Now this is this is going to be easy. It's great. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so rather than just blow your mind thinking of a city of 10 million plus, um, you chose out a piece of a region of the city and said, here's where we're going to get engaged. You're out in the harvest field personally, but you're also partnering and mobilizing other believers and and partnering with churches. That's right. Yeah. So we're leading a team here, but I knew that I personally had to engage in the harvest to learn what does it look like here in London? And I know that the principles are the same. We've got to get bold gospel proclamation broadly happening. We've got to have strong initial discipleship. You've got to have healthy church formation. But what do those tools look like? And, um, and how does partnership look like here in London and those kind of things? So my wife and I really wanted to dig in ourselves. And so, so we adopted this area to, 
to get to work to to learn for ourselves well let's put the church aside for a moment the other but yeah. what will you were you actually doing what or what do you do to be engaged personally so i'd go out twice a week into the harvest and so i'll take typically somebody from that church or from believers from that area with me and we get out into the streets and look get into as many conversations as we can, looking for people that would be open. Uh, one of the things we've learned here in London is that we can have a lot of really, really healthy initial conversations, but very few people will believe in that first conversation. Mm-hmm. And so we started really trying to get to second meetings with them. And so we'll, we'll usually use a three circles type approach in the initial conversation and then invite them into a second meeting um, hopefully in their home would be the best option, but then a coffee shop. <laughs> always asking the question, who else do you know that, that needs this message? And that initial approach, because uh, the average Christian in Britain will say, this won't work. Yeah. In Britain. But do you, how, how do you initially contact, you're out on the street or are you in visiting homes? What, what are you doing? Yeah, we're in parks, typically cafes, or even just just on the street. Um, there's a lot. How do you of approach someone? Just typically. Yeah, typically praying first and asking the Lord to make those connections. But then, as we're walking, you'll see people sitting and making eye contact, and so then just approaching them and asking them, typically about the weather here in Britain, works pretty well as an introductory. Uh, I found that if they're younger. Uh, I usually say that I'm a spiritual teacher and I've been in India for eight years and that has tended to open up significant spiritual conversations for me. Uh, I'll ask them if they're younger, if they've had a spiritual experience majority of the time, they'll look at me really surprised um, because they have had. Mm-hmm. So you, you, utilizing that to then enter into spiritual conversations. If they're older, um, typically they don't believe in any religion or spirituality and so that's been a little bit more challenging for me personally. Are you finding younger people are more responsive, typically? Absolutely. Very curious here. Yeah. Very curious about Jesus, very open to those conversations. Um, the other day, I was able to lead somebody to the Lord who had had, um, you know, I asked him if he had had a spiritual experience, and he's like, do you believe in spiritual things? He's like, yeah, actually I do, and shared with me how, you know, demons were communicating with him, and again, uh, utilizing that to platform then into the gospel and being, being able to show him the power of, of God. He gave his life, life to Christ, seeing how God is the ultimate power. So it's, it's really amazing to me how spiritual these young people are here. And what's it like uh, trying to get that second or third follow-up meeting and and trying to form some sort of group, discipleship group, out of those encounters. That is where we are currently trying to learn. That's where we're currently struggling. Um, so we've got initial gospel out as a team. We've seen new believers come in. Um, but now we're really looking at our glue strategy, which is how do we get them to stick into groups. And um, so far we haven't, haven't seen too much success at that. We did have one group come together. Um, that was catalyzed by a Jew, actually. And so from this Jew, he went and won a Brit at work, who then went and won his Pakistani wife to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I saw some initial traction there. Um, but then, and they were meeting in their home, and 
So we're kind of working through some worldview issues with them. Um, so, so we've seen a little bit of success there, but still have a long ways to go to really figure out. So maybe you can teach us, teach us what you've learned here. I, I can teach you some persistence. <laughs> and, and that's the issue, you know, many of us are wrestling with in, in, in Britain and in the West. Uh, but you are seeing, you are meeting people that God has been at work in. Absolutely. And may not be the first time, but you are seeing people turn and believe. And at least in individuals, or in one case, a small group, they're, they're signing up for discipleship. Yeah. Yep. We've, I mean, I've even gotten into three homes from these new believers where they've gathered some of their friends and families. And so seeing general openness for sure. And so now it's how do we get to group that then gets to church that then can multiply. What else are you doing in terms of the bigger picture for London? Yeah, if you zone out, then as a team, and we're looking at all of London, um, we are incorporating what we call the no tube stop left strategy. Okay. And we want to see a multiplying church at every tube stop in London, uh, knowing that those are just catalytic points. And our desire is that the church might start in Stoke Newington, but it's going to go to Iran eventually or mm. Saudi Arabia and go global. Mm. Um, but we really want to see a, a church that has a vision to multiply in the next 18 months at every tube stop in London. Would that be a new church or would it be an existing church that's come on board to multiply? Yeah, it could be either. either. Our initial, yeah, our initial approach is cast vision to the churches and that tube stop, letting them know who we are, our vision, and um, how we can help serve them in accomplishing God's mission at, at, in their local area. How many tube stops are there in London? Yeah, there's over 270 tube stops. There's 11 tube lines. And then I've just learned, actually, that that does not include the overground trains. That's just the mm -hmm. underground trains. And the, don't forget the light rail. Yeah, and the light rail. So... <laughs> So we're really thinking through more of a geographical approach here okay. in London, utilizing the, the tube stops. So whether it's a new church or an existing church, um, that first stage in the London-wide vision is a multiplying church near every single tube stop. Yeah. What I love about that is a lot of hard work, but yeah, it can be done. Yeah. And so that's, we started in, at one tube stop, my wife and I, just to model mm. what that could look like and walking through some of the initial steps. So, right. you know, we're, in London, we're, we're seeing about 6% of the people that we witness to come to Christ. And that's... 6%. So if you yeah. talk to 100 people in and about six. London, yeah. typically six are going to turn to Christ. Six, yeah. Now that's only you know two months worth of tracking. Um, but what? How I, what many I told, people have you talked to? We shared with about five hundred so far, and we've seen 30, 30 come to faith, and twenty-five of those we're currently trying to work with to see traction in in groups that would become church. And five of those have gone into churches, and we praise God for that. So the the bad news is, if you talk to a hundred people in London. 94 aren't really ready yet to turn and believe. Yeah. The good news is that six are. Yeah. That's what I've, I've tried to help believers here see when they say, 
the gospel doesn't work here or mm. gospel proclamation doesn't work here is, well, it depends on your definition of success. And are you willing to get told no 94 times to get to the six that would say yes? Mm. And I think sometimes a part of our calling is getting told no a lot and, and even getting shamed. And so are we willing to do that to get to those fruitful and faithful people that will then be able to multiply out? And they're the, the key to reaching the other 94 because That's right. 6% has relationship networks amongst those folks that maybe they've said no to the strange American, but their neighbor or partner, you know, they, they will have a different response. Yeah, I would, I would assume that those 6% are going to have a higher success rate as they go share with their friends and family. Right. Well, what's, what's God put on your heart? I mean, we're, we've talked about the local thing, what, it, what the next big phase is, seeing churches at every stop. Um, what's, what's your dream for London stirring within you? To see the believers in the city catch a vision for what the gospel can do in London, but also from London to the ends of the earth. I mean, from London, we literally could see the task finished mm-hmm. and helping the church here in London grab that vision and run with it. And if there's some great commission believers out there who have a heart for London, would you, would you like them to get in touch? Absolutely. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Recently, we made some changes to the Movements podcast which may mean that your podcast feed is no longer valid. To update your feed, go to movements.net and then the podcast page and uh, click on the uh, red button that says subscribe to the podcast. Until next time.